say we thank God for the gift of motherhood. Amen. And you know, I know all of us may have a different understanding and we may have had a different experience. But everybody who's here breathing this morning had a mother somewhere who they were birthed from. And from there, sometimes because of the fallen nature of the world in which we live, it may not work out the way God planned, but I can promise you, from conception to birth, if we don't mess with it, God has figured out how people come into this world. And this morning, I've preached and prayed, and after 20-some years, I've preached every Mother's Day passage that you can find in the Bible more than once. And I prayed, and I messed up, because I said, Lord, I want to find something different this year. Give me a new word, at least to me. And he brought me to a Christmas passage. I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. This is going to be our kickoff passage. Then we're going to go over into Psalm 139. And I want to talk to us this morning on blessed is the fruit of your womb. And I don't know if you ever thought about it. But some of God's greatest miracle work. Because of modern science and because we seem to have evolved into such an intelligent condition of people, I think we've forgotten how wondrous, how fearfully we are made by the hand of God. And that miracle occurs in the womb of a woman. And you know, we look here and we see the, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Born of a woman, just like every other woman. Jesus was born. And I want you to look here with me. We're going to just read, starting in verse 31. The Bible says that the angel speaking to Mary, he said to her, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. God already knew before he was ever conceived, much less after he was conceived, not only who he would be, but what he would do with him and how he would use him on this earth. I want you to see right below that, we also see that Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist in verse 36, who had been barren, her womb had not bore a child into old age. But because all things are possible with God, the Bible says in verse 36, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your will. And the angel departed from her. And now Mary arose in those days and went into hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. It's probably her aunt. It was her relative, though. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, I want you to notice again, that the baby leaped in her womb six months into the pregnancy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out loud with a voice, and she said, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That's where I kind of got the title of what we're going to look at today. But why is it, 
Why is this granted to me that I, the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby, that would have been John the Baptist, leaped in my womb for joy. Not only is it a baby from the moment it's conceived, it is a life that God already recognizes, knows, and has a plan for. And he does that in you, ladies. Men, we have a lot of things I'm thankful for as a man, but only a woman was blessed with a womb, the place where God would do the miraculous work of recreating life. And he does it every day all around us, and we tend to seem to forget. I looked up the word womb. In the Webster's Dictionary, it says, the womb is the organ in the lower body of a woman or female mammal where offsprings are conceived and in which they develop before birth. One other definition I found said, the womb is a pear-shaped organ where a baby is carried during pregnancy. Its scientific name is a uterus. And I don't know about you, but without a womb, it is impossible to birth a child. And friends, today as we look at each other and we look around, life for every one of us started in our mother's womb. You can say, well, they got science because it does some other stuff. I'm talking about most of us and all of us all were birthed by the hand of God through the natural things that God does. And you know, as you look here, I want us to think about this. Even Jesus, God could have done it anyway. He could have done whatever he want. But he found a young woman named Mary, a virgin. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, we don't know how he did it, but he came over her, he overshadowed her, and he did what needed to be done so that Mary might conceive the Lord Jesus Christ in her womb. The miracle of birth, it's an amazing thing to me how we all are here and how we start. You know, but I want you to think beyond that. If you turn with me, I want you to see the work that God is doing in a womb. Today, we have become so scientific. We have become so intellectually above. Regardless of what you want to believe, there are things I read yesterday that blew my mind. They have actually had men that they have put a uterus in. They have actually taken an embryo and put it in that man, and they helped that man to carry that embryo through birth, and he gave a C-section to that baby. But I'm going to tell you what, to do that, they had to go find a woman that God created to get a uterus to put in him. They had to go find a woman who God created to get an egg, an ovary to put in him. You can't have birth without God. He's the giver of life, the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. And every life that he creates, I'm going to show you tonight, this morning, he has a purpose and he has a plan. And it's to use that life to bring blessings to us and glory to him when we follow God's plan. The problem is he gave us free will. So you don't have to follow God's plan. And it's Mother's Day and you don't have to carry your baby nowadays if you don't want to. I'm not going to go there today. But what I want you to look at is what the Bible teaches us is already happening in a mother's womb. The moment that life begins at conception. And I want you to think about this as we are on the eve of hearing good news from the court of the highest land, the Supreme Court, possibly maybe fixing to overrule Roe versus Wade. But I want you to look at what David says here in verse 13. 
in Psalm 139. He says, for you, O God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. That's the King James. If you was to look at the NIV or the um, Holman Christian Bible, he says that verse like this, for it was you who created me in my, my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Where he says you covered me in my mother's womb, if you're like my Bible, has an asterisk. That word literally means wove. And friends, when you're in that womb, the hand of Almighty God is literally knitting you and weaving you and making you into the person He wants to be. You say, I know you got to have a father and a mother. He uses their genes. He uses their DNA. But may I tell you that every human being is one of a kind, designed by God to be like no other. There's billions of people on the earth today, and we may look alike, sometimes we may act alike, But I want to tell you something. You can find identical twins. You may not even be able to tell them apart. But if you take their fingerprint, they will be different. If you take their DNA, they will be different. Out of billions of people on the earth today, there are no two people with the same fingerprint. There are no two people with the same DNA. I want to tell you, friends, that will make you wonder. That's beyond scientific. That's got to be something greater than what we can think and figure. And listen what he goes on and says in verse 15. My frame, he's talking about his skeleton, his bones. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. He says that he was skillfully put together and wonderfully made. Listen to what he says in verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, he's talking about in your remembrance. He's using a book, not as a literal book probably, but as In the remembrance of God, in the recordings of God, they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet I had not even had any of them occur yet. I want you to think about this. When you look at the NIV version for that, he says, your eyes saw me when I was yet formless. When you were still in the womb, when I was yet formless, when my substance had not been knit together, when you had not woven me into who you was going to make me to be, your eyes already seen me. And listen to what it says. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together. But listen to that last verse, verse, 30, verse 16. Your eyes saw me when I was formless, and my days were written, they were recorded, and planned before a single one of them began. Before birth, before the first day of life outside the womb, God already had a plan. He already had a purpose that he had for that life, being David. And friends, I want you to think about this. Every child is made on purpose and for a purpose by God. And mothers, he chose you to do that wonderful creative miracle in your womb. And all of us are here as the result of God's will. You know, you think about this, you say, that's crazy, it is crazy. But I want you to believe what the Bible says. Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God said. Before I formed you in the womb, and listen what he told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I sanctified you, I claimed you, I set you apart. You were my special possession, Jeremiah. And then he says, and not only that, but before you were born, I ordained you to be my prophet to the nations. You see, God had a plan for Jesus. When he put Jesus and conceived her in the womb of Mary, he told Mary, 
this child who's going to be born is going to be my son. And he's going to be the greatest. And he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to sit on the throne of his father David and his kingdom is going to last forever. He knew that before he ever conceived Jesus. He knew that from the moment Jesus was conceived. He knew when Jeremiah was conceived. He said, he said I, before you were formed in your womb of your mother, I knew you. Before you were born, I ordained you to be my prophet. I sanctified you. He knew David as he was forming and knitting David together, as he was working out his perfect plan in that baby in the womb of David's mother. He knew that David would sit on the throne of Israel and be the greatest king of Israel. He was already preordained. God knew who he was, what he would use him for. And guys, the amazing thing is, he may not have a plan for your offspring to be the king of Israel or a prophet to all the nations, and he surely ain't planning on us being the Savior, but he's got a plan for your child just the same. An important plan, a purposeful plan, a plan that is devised by the mind and wisdom of Almighty God. That's why every child is impressed is important. That's why motherhood is such a blessing. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because not only did God give you a son to adore or a daughter to adore, but he gave us all a person to come and be part of this life as we know it. And friends, I want you to think about this. The Bible says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. That's what the Bible says. And guys, not only that, not only is the fruit of the womb a reward, not only is it a gift from God, but everyone that's born, God says this in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's not only for Israel, that's for every one of us. That God has a future and a hope. He has a plan and he has a purpose from the moment that life is conceived. Listen to what David said about that, how God thought about him. He says in verse 16, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. I was not even yet formed. And in your remembrance, in your book, they were all written of me. The days fashioned for me. How my life would be lived and who I would be. When as yet there was none of them. And then look at what he says in verse 17. You see, God knows how he wants our days to be lived. He knows how he wants our life to be. And I'm going to share. He's got a plan for every one of us here. A universal plan and a specific plan. But listen what David says in verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. Friends, listen, any baby that God conceives in the womb, he's already thought about what he wants it to be and how he wants it to do. Now, guys, listen, because we have free will, you don't have to have a baby anymore if you don't want to. But, guys, listen, also, because we have free will, not everyone ends up being what God created them and what God ordained and what he has made possible for us to be. How many of you would all agree that according to the grace that we have access to, we've all fallen short? Do you think you've received all that grace has to give you, all that God could do in your life? Because, listen, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I ought to be a better preacher than I am. I ought to be a better pastor than I am. I ought to be a better husband than I am. I ought to be a better human being than I am compared to what God has done for me through Jesus. 
and from what he's offered to me through his grace and what's available from God, we all fall short. Why? Because of our selfish will. And so I want you to think about this today, Mom. What a blessing to have a child birthed from your loins. Not your loins, your womb. I'm thinking of a man there. But from that child, how you do from the day he's born will have a lot to do with what he becomes. The Bible says, raise a child in the, in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's not a, a, a verse of promise. That's a verse of probability. If you raise your child in the way they should go, according to God, in all probability, they're not going to depart from it. But if you don't raise their child in the way she should go, if you don't teach them right and wrong, you don't teach them when they do something wrong, they're wrong, and you don't teach them that the blessings of doing something right, I can promise you the probability of them ending up what God wants them to be will not happen. And so I want you to think about this. As I began to study and look at this sermon, I got to looking at all the other ones I've ever preached. And out of these other women that we can look at, how many of you have heard on Mother's Day the, the, the passage of the virtuous wife? Oh, man, that's a great one. I've preached it probably three or four times in the course of my preaching career. And every man's looking for a virtuous wife. And according to Proverbs 31, the virtuous wife, which is a woman of noble character, is worth more than great amounts of rubies. Money can't buy a wife like that. And you know, you look at that and you see all the things that the Bible speaks of, the attributes that makes her that virtuous wife, that woman of noble character, that has all of these activities that God commends in the Word of God. And he, he says all kinds of things about who she is and what she does. And I want you to hear the most important thing about it, I think, about a virtuous woman. No one will ever be the virtuous woman if this isn't true in your life. But as you begin to look at it, he says that, Strength and honor are her clothing. She opens her mouth with wisdom and her tongue speaks as of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. Certainly that's a worthy thing for a mother. And she does not eat the bread of idleness. I don't know about y'all, but I remember my little mama. She's still like that. There ain't no idleness in Alona, amen? <laughs> and I can say I had a mother that watched over her household. Ain't that wonderful? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And friends, a mother's job, believe it or not, is primarily to watch over her household and not be idle, to do what she can to bless and be, a, a, a raise up those children. It says she watches over the ways of her household and she does not eat the bread of idol. Her children rise up and call her blessed and her husband also calls her blessed and praises her. And then listen to what he says. This is an amazing thing. He says, many daughters have done well. There's many mothers who've done well. They've been good mothers. But this one here, he says, none of them can excel you because she's a, a woman that's lived her life and modeled her life according to what God says is virtuous, what God says is noble, what God says is good character. She's doing the things that God says is a blessing. And this is what I think the most important thing about being a godly mother or having a mother he says in that second to last verse in the description and defining the godly biblical definition of a virtuous wife, he says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. It's good to have a charming wife, a beautiful wife, and it's good to have a charming mother who is beautiful, but that's all going to pass away. 
Because you see what he says, though? He says, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Not only by her husband, not only by her children, but listen to what he says. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her at the gates of the city. Everyone praises a woman like this. And guys, you know the beginning of being a virtuous woman is having a healthy understanding of who God is. To having that fear, that reverence, that awe of God. God created that life in you. God conceived that baby to be born. God gave you that child. He created that child the way he wanted that child to be. And he gave you the great responsibility and the awesome blessing privilege. Blessed is the fruit of your womb among women. That's what he told Mary. But that's true for every mother. My mother especially, amen? <laughs> Y'all are bad in here this morning. Y'all need to get some waking up. Did y'all eat too much of that breakfast or something? But I want you to think about this. Not only do you need to be a virtuous woman, a woman who fears God, a God, woman who lives a character of God, but you know when you look at some of the things that you see these women that we all emulate, we all preach all over today, I guarantee you there's churches all over where they're preaching about Hannah and Samuel. If you ever looked at the life of Hannah and Samuel, Hannah was a woman who was born with a barren womb. And she was married, and her husband loved her. She was the favorite, but she had a rival. He had another wife. And she was spitting out youngins right and left. And she was using it to torment her, to tempt her. <laughs> Look here, I done had number five. You ain't had one yet. And it says that she was at the temple when they came once a year to give an offering for their sins. And she was crying out. She was a woman of great sorrow. And she's crying out to the Lord, and she's praying, and she's begging God to give her a baby, and she's desperate to have that child. Some of you may can identify with Hannah. You wanted a child more than anything, and you couldn't have one, and then finally God gave it to her. But you know, the amazing thing to me in this story is not that God gave this woman who had been barren for many years, and then all of a sudden, when God decides she has a son, but that son would become Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. But the greatest thing to me is she finally got that son, and you know what she told God? God, if you'll give me that son, I'll give him back to you. Let me read it to you. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, I'll, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but the greatest thing you'll ever do to your child, if God blesses your womb and he gives you fruit from your womb, is to take that child and give it right back to God. That's what a baby dedication is. There may be some children here with young children that you would like to do. Let me know. We have baby dedications periodically. But what you're doing when you do a baby dedication is you're saying, Lord, you gave us this child. We dedicate him back to you. Lord, as the parents, we dedicate ourselves to raise him in the admonition of the Lord under the lordship of Jesus. And we you want him to become who you created him to be. So we're dedicated, God, to your will in this child. Friends, Hannah took that baby. Didn't know if she'd be getting more. She raised him. She weaned him. They told him, her, her husband said, Hannah, we need to bring him back. She says, not till he's weaned. I read, they said that would have been three years. For three years, she nursed that baby. Then when she weaned that baby, she took him back to the temple of God and she gave him to the Lord. And friends, I'm not saying in that capacity you give him to the Lord. But friends, what we need to understand something is our kids aren't really ours. They were given those by God and God can take them back at any time. 
And the whole time they hear, they're a blessing sent from God to not only be a blessing to you, but to a blessings of others. And the best thing we would ever do with kids again in this world is to give them back to God, raise them for God, want them to be God's people. Friends, listen, there's nothing more important in our children's life than having God and his blessings in and over their life. And friends, I don't know about you. I love my mother. She was always a character. She's like me. I, all the things I don't like about me, I see them in her. I got all her DNA. There's a picture where they split us down the middle. We look just alike. My sister said, y'all so act just alike. Because, you know, it's one thing to inherit physical blessings from your parents. But nothing can compare to the spiritual blessings that comes from a godly mother. You know, my mama, there's a lot of things that I can fault her for, just like there's a lot of things she faults me for. My mama's my best critic, but she's also my best supporter, amen? She'll tell me the truth when I'm wrong. You wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that. But she'll also bless me when I'm right. But my mama, if I call her at any given morning, and I call her every day, out of all the things that from coming here, the second greatest thing to knowing I'm in God's will is that my mama's 25 minutes from me now. And after 30 years, I get to live by my mama again. I get to go help my mama. I get to be around my mama. But listen to this. When I call my mama, I'll bet my life on this. If I call and I say, Mama, what you doing this morning? Oh, I just finished reading and doing my time with the Lord. She told me this when she still worked. She was wanting to retire. She said, I'm getting tired. She said, sometimes I'll be honest. I have to pick between bathing in the morning and reading, so I go to work dirty. She because I just can't go without reading my Bible. And my mom would be mad if y'all tell her I told that on her. But guys, you know, there's things that your mama gives you naturally because you have her DNA, because you have her genes. And, but there's some things that will only come from you spiritually if you are a virtuous woman, if you are a woman who, who lives it out with noble character. You know, it don't matter if you know the Bible if your life is contradicting it every other day and you don't live it. It don't matter if you know what's right and wrong if you don't portray it. And friends, listen, a godly mother like Hannah gave that child back. But you know, two of my favorite, I've preached about Mary and Jesus. I've preached about Hannah and Samuel. But I've also preached about Lois, Eunice, and Timothy. Does anyone know who they were? Does anyone know who Timothy is? He's got two books named after him. We meet Timothy in the book of Acts, chapter 16. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, we hear this about a young boy named Timothy. He was led to the Lord on one of Paul's missionary journeys, and he was saved. And when Paul came back to the church in his next missionary journey, the Bible says that he came to this church, and it says right here, then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. There's nothing more important about your mama than what you believe. Do you have faith? Are you a woman of, the, of Jesus Christ? Are you born again? And he says, he had a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek, so his father was Gentile. And listen what it says. Timothy, he was well spoken of by the brethren in the church who were at Lystra and Iconium. I want to tell you something, my friend. When you come to church with your children, what the church think about them? What does everybody else say about your kids? When they off at church or, or at school, when they, wherever they are, are they well spoken of? Because what your 
companions around you say about your kids is a direct result of who you are as a parent. And friends, if there's something that is worthy to seek for is to raise kids that the rest of the society says they're well of them, thinks well of them, says they're a blessing, they're well-mannered, they're godly. They, Paul seen Timothy, and you know what he said? He was so impressed, he said, I want to take him with me. Paul seen the obvious call of God in that boy's life. So he said, Timothy, I want you to come with me. Mama, can I have Timothy? And here we go again. That mama didn't say, no, his daddy ain't even going to church with me. He's lost. He's a Greek. He's a Timothy. I can't give him up, Paul. No, his mama apparently said, here he is. Lord, take him with you, Paul. And Timothy went with Paul. Paul took him. 16 years old, most people think, about that age. And Paul took Timothy, and he began to mentor Timothy. He began to teach Timothy, and Timothy became a pastor. Timothy became a man of God. Friends, listen, that's what God's plan is for us. He's to take our kids teach them by being an example of a godly person, like a virtuous wife, a, a woman who has all those characteristics, a woman who, who fears God, and then raise them to where they are the kind of kids that other people look at and think well of them, think they're, they're kids that set an example. And then Paul takes him with him. Do you know where that came from? You don't hear it there. You just see she didn't get any help from her dad, and apparently he was... Not a believer, but she was. But you know what? When you get over here and you get to 2 Timothy, the last letter Paul wrote was to Paul out of all his letters. It was right before he died. Paul's last thoughts as he was fixing to be martyred for his faith in Jesus, he was fixing to die, was Timothy, this young boy, his, his son in the faith. And he's writing to Timothy. And listen to what he says. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is now in you. Three generations of people who had faith in Jesus. Friends, that, that grandmother Lois affected that daughter Eunice, and Eunice affected that young boy named Timothy. And Paul said, I'm convinced that the faith of the Lord Jesus is not only in you, Timothy, but it started in your grandmother, it was put into your mama, and now it's in you. The greatest thing you'll ever do for your child is to lead them to Jesus. Is to help them to have the faith to know who God is, their creator, and the ability to know who he is and how to be saved and have a relationship. You know, he, he says right here, I'm convinced that the, the faith that is in you that I first seen in your grandmother Lois. Listen to what he tells you when you get over to chapter 3. He says, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. Who did he learn them from? Well, he says, from childhood. Paul didn't know Timothy till he was a teenager or later. But he says, but you, Timothy, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures why is it so important to know the Holy Scriptures, to be taught them from childhood? Because by the time a kid gets to be about six, what he's going to believe is already being built in him. One of the popes said, give me a child until he's six and he'll be a Catholic for his life. 
And friends, listen, that's what we got to do. We got to teach them. We got to show them not only with what we say, but who we are. We got to live it out and be virtuous people who have godly, noble character, who fear God, who they see a reverence of God in our life. And then we got to give them to God. That's what I see in the Bible. And then we got to give the faith that we have. You can't give away what you don't have. Because why is that so important? Listen to what he says. And that from childhood, you may know the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation which are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, if they grow up and they excel in school and they make the straight A honor roll and they get a 4.0 average and they win and earn a trip to the best college in the land and they graduate with an unbelievable education and they get a great job and they live the American dream and make lots of money and they prosper and they get all that the world has to offer and they die and lose their soul. Jesus said, what does it profit that person? The most valuable thing you'll ever give them is not in your bank account. It's not in your ability to write a check. It's in your ability to live a life that exemplifies what God does when you belong to him and he belongs to you. And the greatest thing you'll ever give them is not the advice that many of us give, but to give them the truth of the word of God, to instill in them the ability to know the scriptures. It's not, we assist you. It's not my job to save your children. It's not Sam's job to change your, to save your youth. It's your job to save them and disciple them and give them the truth. We're here to assist you. We're here to, to do all we can. But I want to tell you what, we are severely handicapped when what we teach here is not lived at home. When we tell you what God says, but how you live ain't what God says. That's why it's important that we be like all these heroes and great examples of mothers. Guys, the greatest thing God will ever give you, ma'am, is a child that's birthed from your own womb. Blessed is your womb among women when you have a child. And then to see that child grow up. My mother gave me a, a birthday card. I got it put somewhere. I tried to find it in the shop yesterday in some papers that got put up. But I broke my mama's heart for 33 years. I made my mama go to bed a many a night crying and praying for me. I disappointed my mama so many times that only heaven knows. And my mama would get so frustrated with me and she'd call me creature. She kicked me out of her house. She told me, I ain't giving you nothing else no more. You're going to have to learn. The greatest thing mama ever done me was kick me out the door and make me learn to fend for myself. And I thought, how hard can that be that mama would do that to me? But I think back now and I know how hard it had to be for that mama, my mama, to do that to me. And you know, she prayed for me and she would try to tell me and I wouldn't listen. Then I met Diane and I finally got saved. And when I got saved and God began to use me, who'd have ever thought if you'd have known me before Jesus, y'all only see this. If you think I messed up now, you ought to see me then. There is not anybody, my mama was the highest one on the list that would have thought I'd be a preacher or I'd be doing what I do. Diane was the first one that believed it because she watched what happened when we got saved. 
But my mama, she was like, surely, are you sure, Diane, he's going to preach? He preached a message. He preached, yeah, he's preaching again. He's going to preach. And then my mama, before long, I went to seminary. See, no one would expect God to have a plan like that. I did everything I could to ruin that plan. But one day, by the grace of God, I knew there was a Jesus because of my mama and my stepdad, Roy, and my daddy. I knew there was a God. I, I didn't know him, but I sure believed in him. I feared him, not in the way I do now, but at least I understood he was a God I was going to answer to. But when I finally met God and he called me to preach, all those times of heartache, all those things that I'd done in the past, not only did God forgive me and remove them as far as the east and the west, but my mama don't harp on all them no more. My pre-life caused my wife to leave me and divorce me. But God put me back together. We don't bring up the past. We live for today and for the future and the life that God had for us. See, God's got a plan for every child. And my mama gave me this birthday card a few years back. And she says, Marvin, and it's a beautiful card. She says, no words can say how proud I am to know that you are my son from my womb. You know what she tells me? She said, you could be the president of the United States of America, and I would never be more prouder than when I tell my friends that my son is a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, moms, it's worth investing in them. It's worth believing. Don't quit praying. Don't quit telling them. Quit, quit telling them in Jesus there's hope. Friends, you can't get much further from God than I was at one time. See, all things are possible with God. He can take a barren womb and he can put life in it. And from that womb, he can birth a child that can grow up to be a Billy Graham. He can grow up to be some of the greatest people in all of this world that do wonderful blessings to bless all of us. But whether he wants to make him a Billy Graham or someone that you don't even know, anyone who serves the Lord and lives out God's purpose, he is a miracle. And that's what Mother's Day to me is, to see Life, life is so wonderful. It was so precious. Today, I wouldn't want to hurt anybody's feelings if something, buddy, I know it could be difficult. Maybe your mother was not the mother you wish she was. Well, my encouragement to you is to you to be the mother that you wish God to be, to put an end to that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, everyone's got a mama that they love. It's hard not to love your mama, amen? But everyone needs a mama. That is a true mother. I want to encourage the mothers that are here, the mothers-to-be, to take advantage of that privilege. And from the beginning, that child was born. I was at a baby dedication, and I'm going to shut up and pray. And it was one of our grandchildren, and Brother Lynn Martin was doing that baby dedication for one of Jeremy's kids. And he had all them babies lined up, and he gave them each a Bible. He said, this little Bible is just a symbol but you need to buy them kids a Bible. Buy them a big Bible, a good Bible, a, a reading, studying Bible. He said, and I know they little. They ain't even talking. And I want you to take that Bible. That's their Bible. And every night when you put them to bed, I want you to read something out of that Bible to them. I want you to read them that Bible every night. That's what you're committing to. That's what you're committing them to. He says, the first things they're going to remember about you as their parents 
when they begin to remember spiritual things is that that Bible is the Bible that my parents read to me every night before they put me to bed. He said, because everything that child needs for life here on earth and life where they're going is in that book. And it's all brought to be in the person of Jesus Christ. Mamas, give them Jesus and you'll never regret it. Amen? Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to pray. What we're going to sing, Brother John? I have decided to follow Jesus. Father, I thank you for each mother in this room. I thank you for each child that's been birthed from a mother. And Lord, tonight there's all different emotions as we think about mothers and grandmothers. We think about failures and victories. But God, I thank you that the abundant grace of God is all sufficient to fix anything in any life that is here. That through the saving grace of Jesus, there's nobody here who can't be saved this morning. If they'll only confess they're a sinner, admit they've sinned, and believe in Jesus to forgive them and save them, you'll save them today, Lord. If they need to do that, let them come forward. Maybe there's a mother who has struggled and she wants to recommit her life to Jesus this morning. Maybe there's a, a child who has been hurt. Lord, I pray that whatever needs to be done today, whatever need is in our midst, that your grace would help each wounded heart, that you would strengthen us, you would remind us that you are the God of life, you are the God that sustains, that you are the God who brings life to its full meaning and purpose. And Lord, today, I just want to pray for our mothers, thanking you for them, thanking you for each one and their love for us. And we just ask you to bless our moms, bless our day, be with us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.